welcome everyone to the rebranded Helping Children Learn podcast here at the Carbon Lehigh Intermediate Unit number 21. I'm your host, Dominic Barone, and today's episode is about esports. Not just video games, but esports. And I am here with soon to be Dr. Michael Heater and Antonio Mirabito. Gentlemen, how are we today? Pleasure to be here. Doing great. Looking forward to a good talk. So, Michael, like I start every... Well, Dr. Heat, excuse me. Not quite. Don't hex it. All right. I won't. I won't. Like I start every podcast, how are esports helping children learn? It's a complex answer. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, When we talk about esports, we're talking about competitive video gaming. And what we've seen in the evolution of esports is it actually started off at the professional levels and trickled its way down into colleges and now high schools, really becoming a prominent thing. Some of the same benefits that you see with traditional sport is really what we could see with students competing in esports. Teamwork, collaboration, the ability to put hard work in, training behind the scenes to get better at their craft, and even some social-emotional learning type things like dealing with adversity and overcoming struggles. So there's really a lot of benefits. And then beyond that, we see opportunities for in higher ed. Students are getting scholarship dollars now and finding majors that maybe they wouldn't have been interested in before. Now, the reason you two are on is because you are president, vice president, I don't know what you would consider yourselves, of EPSEL. Tony, can you tell us what EPSEL is? E-P-S-E-L? Yep, Eastern Pennsylvania Scholastic Esports League. We are part of the PSEL, which originated down in Chester County Intermediate Unit. Uh, We now have over 120 teams, and we are the second largest scholastic esports league in the nation, only behind uh, New Jersey, Garden State Esports. Now, what's wild is all of these schools, they're sponsoring teams. They're putting varsity letters, I wouldn't say on jackets, but... They're considering this a varsity JV type of thing. Why do you think schools are not reluctant? Maybe at first they were, but now we're starting to see. I mean, Parkland has two teams. Parkland High School has Multiple two teams. Multiple high school and middle school now. So why do you think these schools are latching on to Epsel so much? Well, I, what we've done is since we've expanded, really, we started off with a very simple format. You know, this was around pandemic times when everyone was talking about attendance and engagement. And Tony and I really looked at ways that we could get students to participate without having to be in person. And once we did that, it really opened up a lot of doors. Students can compete from home. Uh, They can compete really wherever they were with connection. And we had one game title. But now we have several game titles, and more and more students are getting interested. As we add titles, it allows more students to participate who enjoy those types of uh, uh, games. So, And and I think specifically our league, we've worked really hard to keep it free. It's not a burden on schools in terms of membership costs and things of that nature. So the accessibility was always important to us, and, and we were able to keep it open to all students. Now, we've seen over time, studies have shown that first-person shooter type of video games don't cause violence. However, we are still keeping it PG. Talk to us about some of the games and why. Maybe a parent who is hypercritical, maybe, of their son or daughter or child playing a game, maybe being comfortable with what the games were playing. So our main goal was inclusivity, right? We didn't want to leave anybody out. So we started with something called Rocket League, which is basically RC cars playing soccer. It's 3v3, and it can be played cross-platform, so which means you can use any kind of device, whether it's a PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, or whatever uh, you might have at home, because we wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance of playing this. So we started with Rocket League. We've now grown to Super Smash Brothers, which is uh, Mario characters battling each other, and also League of Legends, which is a five-on-five strategy game where you kind of try to take over a map. So very E for everyone rated games, no violence really, and just make sure that that kids had access to these. Um, Rocket League is free. 
Super Smash Brothers is a paid game through Nintendo, and League of Legends is free. So if some schools just wanted to start with high school Rocket League, they were able to do that because of how popular we've become. Now there's a lot of middle schools uh, involved as well, so we wanted to make sure that E for Everyone ESRB rating was still there. One of the things that I've seen, you guys have let me be involved in esports a little bit just as a, a reviewer and a spectator, but the kids really do take to it in a non-recreational way. They do take it seriously. How cool has that been for you guys to see kids that, you know, they've never, they're, they're non-athletic kids, a lot of them, right? And so they've never been on the football field or the soccer field or the baseball field. They're part of a team now. They're not just in their parents' basement or in their bedroom playing games. How crucial is that to, I guess, the growth of the league? Is it just being more than kids playing games? I mean, we have a healthy mix. We actually have students who are also student-athletes traditionally. We have students who just participate in esports. The thing I would say is this. If you don't think that they're taking it seriously, you need to view a competition and or attend a competition or better yet, try to play one of them because these students are the real deal. They really take a lot of pride in their craft. Tony and I have watched uh, state-level competitions, and it is very serious. And interestingly, the thing that happens behind the scenes if you're viewing it is the communication and strategy is real and coaching is real. As the team is participating, they're really talking back and forth on where their deficits are and how they can improve in-match. The coach is encouraging them to communicate, communicate positively. So as I said, it's really a lot of the same elements that we see with traditional sport that people view every weekend on TV. Well, one of the things, when we went to DeSales, I forget her name. Coach Karen Ruggles. Dr. Ruggles, yeah. She's awesome. She's really killing it there. And so... You're starting to see, I kind of want to take this, obviously, we're talking about high school right now, but it isn't just about playing locally. It is about going somewhere with it. Talk to us about, like, the. I remember we were together at the ESU visit. I went with you guys to the DeSales University visit. Can we talk about how they're really making a lot out of this? It's, it's, an opportun- it's an opportunity is what it is. It's an opportunity. It's not just playing a game. It's not just competing at the high school level. It's an opportunity. These students are now getting accessibility to scholarship dollars to majors in the fields that would relate to this, career opportunities that are out there. Tony and I are aware of uh, job uh, search engines that are strictly related to esports and and majors similar to that. So I I think not just from a monetary standpoint, but also opportunity standpoint, these students are getting to tour, you know, colleges and see their facilities and, and really see what it's like to experience the college life. Just like your your average fo- your great football D one football player getting a full ride, that's what's happening with the esports community right now. So, I mean, more than just players, there's there's the organizers, right? So there's the general managers, there's the IT support, there's the event organizers, and then you go into the strategists. There's actually coaches who are trained for each title. There's theory analysts, there's data analysts. Then you go to content creation, which is huge right now, right? And we're doing it as we speak. So soft software developers, shoutcasters, which is your announcer that would be on your normal NFL game on a Sunday, your journalists, your streamers, and then, of course, the marketing aspect of it too, the graphic design, the web design. There's so many different pieces. We, ha- we provide students, every time we're with them, we talk about career opportunities, give them personality tests that might help them find a career uh, within esports that they might enjoy. I-, I think, too, it's relevant to mention that if you're in your early 20s or even a teenager right now, you're not consuming content that's on cable or that's on traditional TV like most of us would. Definitely not. Other than live sports. Right. So these students are consuming things that are streamed. That's where they're, they're watching. You're seeing today's student as well is more interested in watching others play and see those highlights as much as they are participating. So it's, it's a whole new wave of consumption 
that I think is very relevant to this conversation about esports. Well, it's funny because older generation, people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they'll say, how can you watch other people play video games? You can just play it yourself. And it's like, I also can throw football in the backyard with my neighbor. I also love watching professional athletes do it themselves. So I understand where you're coming from. It is different. And then going back to what you were talking about with these different these different careers, I'm not a video gamer. I'm not an avid video gamer. Grew up with the original PlayStation and Nintendo 64 and stuff, but I don't do what these kids are doing on Xbox Live and PlayStation 5 or whatever. And so, but I didn't think I could be have a a, a career in esports and not even play a game. You know, you, you have all these people with CBS and, and ABC. They've never played a snap of football, but they're the camera operators. Just even production assistants, just guys winding up cords and, and getting headsets on players real quick. So you're starting to see that. I guess my question is, are you seeing how far behind is the career side of it outside of the playing games? How far away are we that a parent now can say that's not a far stretch? You know, because right now it's a, it, it's still a little niche. Yeah, well, I I think I think the concept of content creation is is a world that's open to everyone, and I think that's something that a lot of these esports athletes and managers and behind the scenes students who are part of the club are all probably interested in the, to, to some level. We had a student recently on one of our local teams who just managed. He was part of managing and making sure the team was scheduled correctly and, and students could play and he managed the chats. So one of the things that Tony and I also get to see is student ownership in these clubs and programs, probably more than traditional sport in a lot of cases. Um, these students are really taking ownership and leading and doing the things necessary to, to make the program thrive. Football and sports at the high school level was once seen as as odd as well, right? So now these students are going to their boards and they're creating presentations and talking to school board members, talking them into why they should spend money and invest in their esports team, right? So 99% of boys and 94% of girls play video games. So why not leverage that in our schools? Let's get these kids that are not involved, involved. I think it the stats out there, like 82% of students that play esports have never participated in an after-school activity before. Think of that demographic that we're now hitting because we can play video games. Well, I want to hit on those numbers a little bit because I want to talk to you soon to be, hopefully, Dr. Heater. Part of a doctoral program is that you have to go through a dissertation. You're making your dissertation about esports. We were just talking about 99% of boys, 94% of girls. Talk to us about what your dissertation is about because it's very interesting that you're making some like an educational argument about it. You're not just part of it and kind of yelling into the void, so to speak. You're really good putting or going to be putting data onto paper. So basically what we know, uh, past research tells us that uh, when student disengagement uh, begins to decrease and students become disengaged from school, it's one of the early indicators of potential for dropout later on in the school career. So um, I, that, my problem statement really revolves around that. And what the literature, you know, when I examine the literature, there really isn't a lot of work that takes into account the perceptions of high school students uh, that, that play esports. We have, we have collegiate studies, we have professional studies, but very little research at the high school level. So what I decided to do is really look at the perceptions of high school students and really try to find out how participation in esports impacts their student engagement. So really what I'm set out to do right now, my first three chapters are approved. It's just about executing the study is really find a, a, a 10 or 12 students out there who are interested in, in participating in probably about a 45 minute interview in which I'm going to analyze 
really look at their experience as an esports player and then try to uh, determine based on their perceptions what the impact of participating in esports has on their engagement in school. So there are a lot of studies out there that support, you know, participating in football or participating in extracurricular activities supports your engagement in school. But I really want to find that out specific to this this activity. I think it'll it'll really lend to the field of research in esports. I want to do more than that. I really want to try to add to some of the work that's already done out there and, and really give some more legitimacy to what Tony and I have uh, done here as well. How far along are you? Where are you? You said it was a three-step process? Uh, I'm at execution. So Tony and, and, and some of my statewide contacts as well, uh, Camus Kirsch with PSEL and, and some others around the state, um, all currently have my uh, the email that's gone out about the study, and we're just we're just waiting for some students to step up and be part of it. Once I get that data, we will put that together in Chapters 4 and 5, and uh, as you keep saying, Dr. Heat, hopefully by Christmas, we shall see. Oh, that would be nice. I want to talk to you a little bit, Tony, future. Obviously, we're, you have to build your starting steps here, right? But you do probably have a two, three, four-year kind of outward plan. What's kind of your hope and vision for esports within Epcel, not just at large, but within Epcel? So just three short years ago, we started with one game and three teams. Uh, we are at now three games with over 40 teams just in our area, 120 <laughs> teams across the state. It's like a couple hundred percent growth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Something like maybe crazy. too maybe too quick at times. But right now we're offering League of Legends, uh, Rocket League, Super Smash Brothers at the high school level, and then at the middle school level, Super Smash Brothers and Rocket League. So we hope to add a few more titles over the next few years. But my focus going forward is going to be about getting students to colleges and universities, getting tours and, and kind of taking that next step. We have traveled to ESU in 2022. We Went to DeSales last year in 23. This year, our goal is to get out to Harrisburg U. This is actually very exciting that we're having our first live in-person state championship at uh, Harrisburg University on December 1st. All are invited, not just the teams that make it, but all middle schools and high schools that participate in EPSEL uh, are invited to attend that day. So making more connections, maybe getting some professional esports, maybe not so much players, but the content side, the development side, maybe have them come in and talk to students. I plan on during remake learning days in April to have a adult esports night. So informing parents and informing teachers. Uh, and Meet the teachers night. That's right. But for esports. So I'd love to get the parents in here. I'd love to just grow this and just continue to offer more opportunities and get more of the schools that are not involved yet. Get them out there. He doesn't like giving himself credit either, but clearly we cannot we cannot come down the stretch of this podcast without mentioning. He's not humble about Notre Dame football, <laughs> but he is about his own successes and Epsel's future. We cannot come down the stretch of this podcast without mentioning the creation of the Innovation Lab here at the IU at our central office because you know we're we located in Schnecksville, Pennsylvania, by the way, serving Lehigh and Carbon counties in northeastern Pennsylvania for our non IU twenty one people. So, so really what we were able to do as a team, Tony, myself, and, and our director, Eric Leck, was really leverage some grant opportunities that we had, as well as some contacts that we had to really create an environment here where it has multi-purpose, right? We, we can host an esports event today and tomorrow have a professional development session for teachers uh, to learn how to do STEM-based activities. We, we've had, uh, we recently had student teachers here on campus to learn about some teaching strategies all in the innovation lab. We can host professional development sessions in there. We can we can run meetings in there. Um, the technology is top notch in there. Um, so so really, I think as an organization, and Tony really spearheaded this. But as an organization, we're super proud of this room. 
we really think that is a lot of the next steps of what we can do here at the IU with esports and, and some STEM activity. So super excited about that. And I want to make sure we got that out there because Tony did a great job. And that being said, too, if I'm going to get credit, I need to give credit to uh, IU20 and IU29, specifically Katie Kelly, who's kind of been like my right-hand woman going through all this and organizing events. Last year, we were able to pull off 80 students coming to the IU. We had Harrisburg University here as well. They were giving virtual tours of the campus, going over what majors are available. And then we split into a gaming room. And the other room was myself presenting on the 100 careers uh, in esports. So students were taking personality inventories and then creating resumes. So, I mean, just growing that and just <laughs> letting people know that esports is not just playing a game in a basement, that, that's kind of the goal right now. I imagine that is like your number one hurdle is explaining the benefits and the longevity of esports to your, like I said, just your typical mom and dad who grew up with Atari. They, all, they only know it is brain rot to them. And and think the screen time piece of that is also uh, a negative stigma. You know, Common Sense Media does a great job of explaining why and, and how long students should be on there. Again, we're starting at the middle school and high school level, so their brains are slightly more developed than your elementary crew, but they're still using iPads and they're still using Chromebooks in, in I would say, almost every elementary school in uh, Carbon and Lehigh County. So if we're already using it, maybe we just need to use it a little bit differently. Kids are going to be doing these things anyway, so we might as well uh, have an adult in a room and, and course correct as we're doing these things. Well, and, I, and I think the solution isn't no video games as we think about our youth and our future. It's, it's just like anything else. Where do we find balance, right? Too much of, of weightlifting is, can be detrimental. Too much of running can be detrimental, right? Too much of this, you know, and I'm a huge advocate for sports, but the reality is just like everything else, there's, there's got to be a balance and there's got to be moderation. So I, I think before we, we jump to negative with our perception of video games and esports, we've got to really think about that and, and find balance. And I think if we can find balance, there is truly a benefit to this type of activity for students. And obviously, IU21 would not go invest in an innovation lab if they didn't see the benefits, the progress, the successes. How I'd like to end every show, we have about two minutes left. But I like to talk about small W's because that is something that our new executive director, Dr. Coons, has really been, he's been championing this because it's very easy to look at August through June as one thing, but there's all these hundreds and thousands of moments in the middle that kind of get you to the next day. We're talking a lot about growing teams and growing Epsel, and those are big things. Are there any what we call small W's, small wins? a conversation with a kid or a parent or an instructor or an advisor, anything that really comes to mind for you that really showed you in a small moment, okay, this is worth my time, this is worth doing, this is going to be, in the end, this is going to be great. I remember the exact moment that Tony and I went to a team, a club meeting it was at one of our high schools, it was East Penn. So was that Emmaus High School? Emmaus High School. Okay. And we joined the club team. I can't remember what the purpose of the meeting was. It to give them a championship. It was maybe. to give the first championship. Yep. The first championship. And we, uh, when we were there, several students, I recall, being super excited. And they said things like, we never got to hear our names or things we were a part of over the announcements. And our principal this week was announcing that we were playing in this championship match. And we were so excited to hear that. And, you know, we've had similar experiences like that, but it's those types of situations for me. I remember saying to Tony, we know we made it. We made what we wanted. We created what we wanted. When we start seeing these connections from students, that was, that was really where we started and what it was about. So it's those types of little wins that really make it all worth it. 
And to add to that one, I would say mine came at DeSales last year. We were going on a campus tour and I overheard a conversation between two kids and they were talking about college and they said, I never thought about going to college before and let alone that I, I, I didn't think I could play video games in college. So just opening the, the kids' eyes to this because they haven't been exposed to this before and how would how would they if, if we don't bring it to them? So little wins and just getting kids excited to be in school and wanting to be active in school, I, that, that's been my biggest takeaway. I would be remiss. I can't even believe I didn't bring it up because this was a huge win, but I do want to give a shout-out to Astound Broadband, mm. formerly RCN-TV. They did, they're not sponsoring the podcast, but they do sponsor Epsel. And just real quickly, what has that partnership been like, and what do they do for us? Yeah, I, I, Astound has been a great partner for us since the be- since really close to the beginning. They really help to make sure we can have awards for our, for our teams. They've really done a nice job covering us, covering our successes as well as the local newspapers. Anytime we have a competition, we partner with Del Rose Awards, and and Astound helps to take care of all that for us, no questions asked. And really, anytime we, we want them to be part of something, they step up and they, they give us really, uh, they're really willing to, to do whatever we need them to do. They even had me on live television one night right after yeah. the baseball um, analysis for that, for that Thursday night game. So uh, it was pretty neat. They've always been there. They've been covering us. They've pushed out you know, different stories to different uh, local newspapers. So yeah, they've, they've been a great partner. Like I said, they don't sponsor the Helping Children Learn podcast here at IU21, but they do sponsor Epsel here at IU21. Gentlemen, any last thoughts before we head into the into the night oh thanks for having us uh my, my simple thing is you know students are going to play games why not leverage it to give them whatever opportunities we possibly can that like that can lead to successes for them in the future i would just add for all our listeners out there if you ever have any questions please don't hesitate to reach out to us we've been kind of navigating these waters for a few years it is still the wild wild west when it comes to scholastic esports but please let us know if you need any help or have any questions and we'd be happy to help you out gentlemen i really appreciate your time this is episode two of season two of the helping children learn podcast here at carbon lehigh intermediate unit number 21 you can find this on spotify apple google samsung pandora and basically anywhere you get your podcasts also for those who are hard of hearing or deaf we do have closed captioning on a youtube video if you just go to our cliu youtube page and if, you don't, and if you want to listen to this on your computer at home, you can go to our rss.com free public page. You don't have to have a subscription to anything to listen to it. Thank you so much.